What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Who Plays, where we talk about basketball and wrestling unscripted and uncensored. My name is Jarrell Thomas. My name is Jonathan Brown. And I'm Damon Creighton. And look, y'all, don't get used to this. You know, we, we know over the past couple of episodes, it's been like maybe three of us, not the whole game, but don't get used to that. That's not going to be, that is not going to be a permanent thing. We just all have different schedules, so don't worry. Hooplex is all – we're all good. But let's get this episode started. Um, speaking about the NBA first, and yesterday kind of killed my mood about everything I was going to say about this person. But it, I, I think it's time that we officially give our thoughts on um, Mr. Paul George. And I'm going to – Damon, you you can start. What are, what are your thoughts on Paul George as an NBA player? Um, so when he first got in the league and you know he made his big name in Indiana, I had a lot of promise. He looked like he could really be a star in this league, and at times he's really shown that he could. He showed some times in OKC, and even now for uh, the Clippers, he's shown. But I think when we're really boiling it down to is like his inconsistency in postseason play. And last season in the bubble, we saw that it really kind of folded over. But um, this season, this off, this postseason currently, they had a tough start. But, you know, yesterday, honestly, the last two games, even though they lost the second game against the Mavericks. They, he's still been playing really well over the last two games, so it'll be interesting to see if he can play consistent enough to advance them in the playoffs. Look, I'm gonna I'm just say it for the record: the only reason Dallas lost yesterday was because of Rick Carlisle sitting Luka in the first when they had a twenty to eight lead or something like that. That is the only reason they won. So. Don't 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 give Paul George or Kawhi. Don't no don't because they were supposed to lose that game. But me, I hate that man Paul George so much. I hate him. You know when he first again like when he first came into the like, I wasn't necessarily a Pacers fan per chance, but I was I was with them boys. You know David West, PG, Roy Hibbert, all those guys, George Hill. When they were that series against the Heat, when Paul George officially made his name, I was I was on the Paul George train, and then OKC happened. Like, well, first the injury happened, and you know, of course, everybody was on his side about the injury, and then he came back, he started playing well again, goes to OKC, and then he opens his mouth and calls himself playoff P, and I, I just don't know what happened. Like, he's never sold this much in the playoffs. Like when I, I really can't remember a single time on the Pacers where he sold because that series against Miami in what, 2014, I believe, or 2013 or 14, that's where Paul George made his name known. That's where he became a superstar. So I didn't see that, but then he gets to OKC, immediately calls himself playoff P and what happens? He gets smoked in the first round. The next year, what happens? He gets smoked in the first round. The next year, what happens? Pandemic P became an official thing. And now this this season, I mean, it's been three games. You know, Paul George, he just always does this work. He plays great for three games in the in a series, and then he just sells the rest. Um, 
So I'm, I need that Luka Magic to come through, man, because I hate that man, Paul George. You know, me and Jen, we call that man Paulette, along other names that I'm not going to say. <laughs> but, John, what do you think about Paul George? Are you a fan of Paul George or are you anti-Paul George? Uh, I'm a fan of Paul George. Uh, I don't, I don't hate him. Uh, he gained uh, my liking when he was facing against uh, LeBron when he was on the Heat in uh, 2013 and 2014. Uh, those series in the Eastern Conference Finals were very entertaining. Very entertaining. I like Paul George. I thought he was like the riser that would defeat LeBron, but unfortunately, that did not happen. And throughout his, the rest of the time, his Pacers, I still liked them. Uh, then when he got traded to Oklahoma City, I was like, oh, wow. All right. So him and Westbrook, they're going to team together and they're going to do real, real good things, especially against uh, Golden State. But they lost in the playoffs first round to Donovan Mitchell and Joe Inglis. And then the year after that, they barely put up a fight against Portland. And I was like, me? So, I mean, I'm a fan of him, but I'm not as a fan as I was when I first was a fan of him in 2013, 2014. Then, right after, then he goes to the Clippers after telling OKC, I'm here to stay. That's when I was like, bro, like, how you going to say you're here to stay, sign a contract, and then you just leave? At, right after you get a buzz beater scored on, scored on you. That's just ridiculous. And then you call yourself playoff P, and then you fail to show up in the playoffs in the bubble. Everybody calling you pandemic P. And they once then you're facing an elimination game after blowing a 3-1 lead. You get the ball to the corner, wide open, probably wide open to three. Yeah, it was a three-pointer, wide open in the corner. Probably bring your team back in the game. Nope. The side of the backboard. How do you hit the side of the backboard? I can understand if it was contested, but you were wide open. No good. That's no good. I still got belief in Padre. I still got belief in him. As last night, he scored 29 points with 11 for 18 shooting. Five for five from the free uh, for the free throw line. I still got belief in him. I believe he can get it together. But eh, the playoff consistency is is not there, and I'm hoping he can get it together. Hot take: Paul George is one of the most overrated superstars of all time. I'm going to stand on that until the day I die. But speaking of hot takes, stay tuned a little bit later in the episode because we got a brand new segment coming, and I think all of you guys are going to enjoy this heavily. But on another note, we've talked about how Paul George has sold in the playoffs several times, and right now he's in the process of playing pretty well. There's another player on the other side of the NBA in the Eastern Conference right now who's not playing so well. And his name is Orange Julius Randle. And I don't know what's going on with, oh boy. Um, I'm going to read off this stat. And I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this. Through the first three games of this series against the Atlanta Hawks, 
Julius Randle has taken 54 shots this series, and he's missed 41 of them. 24.1% overall, meaning out of 54 shots, the most improved player of the year and someone who many people believe was an MVP candidate has made 13 out of 54 shots. Now, I'm not going to be that toxic Pistons fan. I'd be like, oh, Jeremy Grant deserved most improved player because Jeremy wouldn't have played like this. Now, is it true Jeremy wouldn't have played like this? Yes. But come on now. To, to my Detroiters that are listening to this podcast, don't do that, please. Julius Randle was the most improved player of the year. Stop. Relax. But I don't know what's going on, bro. Like, I don't, I don't know if Madison Square Garden is getting to him. I, I don't know if it's the State Farm Arena. I don't get it. He got, is he nervous to see Spike Lee in the crowd or something? I don't get it. I, I just don't understand. How can you play software? Like, I know playoff basketball is completely different and all. But this man was the most improved player and was, like, a top five MVP candidate. And to go from that to shooting 13% in game three, that's unacceptable. So... Especially because you got that boy Derek Martell Rose, former Chicago Bull, youngest MVP of all time. The one player in the NBA that everybody loves is carrying the Knicks. The sixth man has to score 30 just for it to be close. Now, Rose can do whatever he wants. I'm I just want Derek Rose to be successful. But Derrick Rose should not be the only thing keeping this Knicks team afloat. But I don't want to talk about the rest of the Knicks because no comment. But Julius, um, I need you to do better. I need you to do better. But John, what what do you what do you think is going on with Julius Randle right now? Julius Randle, I don't know. Everybody's saying it's the fans that came back in that Julius Randle has disappeared when fans came back in and has shown his normal self. Um, and he's – and I've noticed, like, he's just taking, like, bad shots, like, fadeaways. Like, when he's, like, having an easy attempt at a shot. He's taking fadeaway shots. And I'm like, you don't need to take a fadeaway on that one. Just drive to the basket, get a – draw a foul – Go to the free throw line because you went eight for eight at the free throw line. So you're making your free throws. So if that if your shooting's not working, go to the basket, draw a foul, draw more fouls, be a Trey Young. And his he went two for 15 in game three. That's ridiculous. Like that's ridiculous. How are you two for 15? And and two for seven for three. Why are you shooting three? Why are you shooting seven three-pointed, bro? Why are you shooting seven three-pointers? You are a three and a four. Go to the basket. Like, no, I, I just know, don't understand. You know what, Heike, I just realized that makes this shit even more embarrassing. So he shoots 13% in game three. That 13% is equal to the 13 shots he's made in the playoffs. Like... Julius, you he got to get it together. I don't know what it's gonna take. I, I don't know, but like may, maybe maybe a trip to Magic City since they'll they'll be in Atlanta. Maybe that'll help him out. But 
hey, like, just, just talk to Lou Will. Like, Lou Will can help you out with that. But, Dana, what do, what do you think is going on with Julius? Um, I think, honestly, honestly, with this whole Knicks team, I think it's a lack of playoff experience. Because um, just off of the game last night, they, I think, the first four or five possessions were throwing up three-pointers, like, four or five seconds into the shot clock. And I think they're trying to they they distributed the ball pretty well throughout the season, but it's like watching these last few games, it's like they're, I'm seeing a lot of uh, trying to play ISO ball. And like we're getting one pass and we're just trying to get it. And that really showed because Julius getting the ball, like just outside the post, he's turning, he's doubled. He doubled every time and they get swamped. It's like they don't know what they're doing. But it's a, it's a very young team and they're not going to have success when it's going down to the stretch. It's like 90 to 90 to let's say 90 to 95 and 65 of your points are literally bench points. Like that, that's not going to do it. And you got a bunch of young guys at the forefront and Randall's averaging average six points a game in the or six assists throughout the season. And I think he had about six or seven like every game for like the last ten games before the postseason. And he's only had about four every game. So it's like and like you said, he shot two for seven from three. Like that's not your game. That's never been your game. So it's like I, I'm seeing a lot of inefficiency, inefficiency amongst Randall and a lot of the people that played well for the Knicks this season. Fans being back has been great because the the atmosphere watching those games feels so much different and so much better. But these fan bases, some of some of them just need to. Okay, I'm just gonna say this: um, Utah does not deserve the Jazz. Um, if you're from Utah, first of all, why are you with Utah of all places? Um, but you guys legit have like one of the most toxic fan bases ever. Y'all speaking down, like y'all giving racial, just, just discriminating against John Morant's family. That's unacceptable. With the Knicks, y'all spending on Trey Young. We're going to talk about Trey Young a little bit more a little bit later, and I can't wait for that. But the incident I want to focus on most is the Westbrook popcorn incident. For those of y'all that didn't watch the game, um, it was Wizards versus um, – who, who are they playing again? I forgot. 76ers. Oh, yeah. So Philly and the Wizards, and they were in Philly for game three, and Russ wasn't really having the best game. Well, game two, I think. But Russ wasn't really having the best of games. And then fourth quarter, he goes down with an ankle injury. Training the medical staffs, helping him off the court. And once he gets to the tunnel, one of the fans just throws popcorn all over Russ. And Russ should have been upset, and he did get upset. And I've seen people saying that, oh, well, it's just popcorn. It's not that big a deal. For those of you that are saying this, If, if you're just having, like, say for example, you're having a rough day at work, like you working on an assignment for work and it's just not working, working out for you. And then 
your laptop falls and breaks. So you literally can't do any work now. So then you feel defeated going back home. And then all of a sudden, some coworker that you've never met, that doesn't know you, but for some reason has an agenda out for you, just trips you. What are you going to do? To, to say that this is just popcorn, it doesn't make sense. And I'm glad that the fans are back, but they self-control has to be on the biggest, like, because COVID restrictions, well, I'm going to be honest, at this point, there really are no COVID restrictions anymore, and I don't really understand because, you know, but America, I guess, America. But COVID, COVID restrictions are slow starting to go away quickly and it just doesn't make sense like why do you do like let me let me just say this this world would not survive the Nalas at the palace they this, this generation of nba fans would not survive the Nalas at the palace because that was a different ball game back then and like i really feel like the medical staff should have just let Russ go after him personally I would have loved to see that, but that's just me. Uh, Damon, what do you think about this incident? And what should the NBA be do to try to limit things like this happening? Man, the fact that it took six people to hold that man back, that man was in for uh, a beating if he was, if he managed to free. Um, it's it's really a it's hard because it's like there's not like a one way to like stop people from saying things um but i actually was just watching um one of the shows this morning and they're talking about how you know how the fans will like get banned from their yeah. arena um they were saying that there was two options. There was like one getting like the fan like banned from like across all the arenas or having families have their like own separate suites like when they go to like games or like road games so they don't really they can kind of isolate themselves from like kind of all that environment because I'm like uh, especially on the road I can't imagine what it's like because I'm sure you know we get we get to hear about this one particular thing but I'm sure that they've been happening for years in just because in our generation before this I'm sure it was just way worse than this. <laughs> so I definitely think that I think they should be more isolated with like a suite or something because I feel like we can't like monitored with 20,000 people in the stadium, I think it's difficult to like watch what people say. I'm, the only part I disagree with really is the sweet part because it's like they're kind of getting rewarded for their behavior. Like if you're going to do something like that, I, I just feel like the band is the best way to go about it. Like you, you can't like you can't have a fan like verbally – or physically doing something to a player and then oh well because of this you're going to get a suite so you can still attend the games and you'll get the best of the best in regards to the experience but you just can't be around people 
to me that's a reward. Oh, like I mean, no, 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 not them. The the families, like oh, for got you. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was a weird transition. Got but you. I was um I was talking like referencing towards the the jaw incident, like with the families, and oh, I was yeah. like the families could okay. be in a suite where they so they wouldn't have to hear stuff from fans. But yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, John, so what would you do if you were in Russia's shoes? Uh, if I was in Russia's shoes, I would probably do the same thing. Uh, find a person that did it, run up to the stands, and confront that person. Uh, I understand how he feels. Like, he's been working his butt off all season, had dealt with a hamstring injury, and now an ankle injury in the playoffs which is the worst time to have any injury at all. And not only he's away from his family and his kids, but he has to deal with adversity like that. Nah, I would have to, I would have to confront the person who did that right in front of their face. Like, first of all, I've never met you. I don't know your name. I don't know who you are. I don't know your birthday. I don't know your favorite color. And you were sitting in the third row he wasn't sitting in the first row. He wasn't sitting in the second row. But he sat in the third row, stood up, reached over two rows, aimed perfectly under the tarp to throw popcorn to where Russell Westbrook was walking at. No. And expect nothing to happen? You're ridiculous. You're out of your mind. And the fact that you're a season ticket holder he was a season ticket holder, so he paid hundreds, thousands of dollars to be in his seat and just to do some stupid action and expect no consequence from that is it's mind-blowing. It's flabbergasting. It's blasphemous. It's, it's a mental illness. The fact that he really did that, that's just, it's just sick. He, Russell Westbrook did nothing to you. And the fact that you would do that is just disrespectful. It's just, it's just no words on what to say about that. And also to the other fans that are like disrespecting the players, such as the New York Knicks fans spinning on Trey Young, which accidentally landed on 50 Cent's uh, girlfriend, and also talking disrespectfully to John, John Morant's uh, mother and father, which is just crazy. Like, why would you say shut up, bitch, to John Morant's mother? That that just makes no sense. All she wants to do is just see her son play in the playoffs. All John Morant's father wants to do is see his son play in the playoffs and act like LeVar Ball. That's all he wants to do. There's nothing wrong. Like, why do you get in your feet? Feelings about these players, person. They don't know your personality. They don't know how you operate. Why are you acting like that? And if you act like that, you need help. A lot of help. And we, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't never, I never understand. And we see that this, and this is how. This is how we really, that's like this moment with that family is the embodiment of we need to stop doing these things because this is how 
these kids end up learning these behaviors because I learned and I found out that the people that were yelling or saying the stuff to Josh's family had a young daughter and son right there next to them as they're yelling this thing to them. So it's like you see your family, your mom and dad yelling this stuff at, at other people horrible things this is and obviously since they said it then you know that this is not the first time they've said something like that so it's like this is the embodiment of like how people end up like oh well you know this is just how i grew up learning this kind of stuff so it's like this this has to stop exactly and then piggybacking right off of that like that's not just something you just decide to do. That's that's a learned behavior. So their kids might pick up on that, but they're doing what their parents probably did. So I don't know what it's gonna take to get over that, but something needs to be done about that. Cause me being me, like I couldn't have been rushed. Like six people wouldn't have been able to hold me back. But I don't, I just don't think that. Like, I know it's the playoffs, and I know COVID is some quote-unquote dying down, even though I don't really think so. But I just don't think it I – don't, I don't think the NBA was ready. I don't, personally. Like, it's been a year and a half. Like, I, I just don't think that now was the time to have full capacity crowds back. Because this is – this is – it's going to keep happening. Like, folks don't want self-control during COVID. So common common sense is going for the most part. So folks are going to start doing this more and more and more and more. And I just think now was not the right time, in my opinion. But let's move to a more positive note. And in John's words, let's talk about Trey Young's heel turn. <laughs> hey, that boy is nasty. <laughs> That man just matches square Martin in game one. <laughs> 32 and 10, 30 and 7, 21 and 14 in three different games. New York, y'all, y'all, y'all done, y'all done picked the wrong day. Y'all picked the wrong series, man. I originally said I was going for New York, but if Trey Young gonna keep playing like this and Julia's gonna keep selling. I know this series is low key over. I'm not even gonna hold you. Like, um, unless Derrick Rose just somehow gets RJ and Julius to just play like NBA players, this this series is over. That that's but that's just me. Um, John, since this was your topic, so talk, talk talk about this uh, Trey Young's heel turn. I can't believe you called it that. You see, I like this heel turn, man. Because Trey Young, when he came when he came in the league, everybody liked him for his three pointers, man. Everybody they liked him for his three pointers, and like he just shoots and he makes them. Now this season, people have started to dislike him because he draws all the fouls, he goes to the free throw line a lot, and Steve Nash said, Steve Nash said that's not basketball. That's not basketball to the ref. He was caught on a hot mic or people read his lips. Like, that's not basketball. But he still kept doing it. And now he's in the playoffs and he's dropping 30. 
against the Knicks in the Garden, in Madison Square Garden, the mecca of arenas, dropping 30, have the whole arena boo him and say, fuck Trey Young. Fuck Trey Young. And also, game two, they, someone, a Knicks fan, literally, literally, went on Microsoft Word, typed out tonight's chant, Trey is balding, and gave a summary on why we should do this chant, saved it as a document, printed it out, went to Staples, asked the person at the desk, can you make thousands of copies of this document? And the, and the Staples employee did it. And the Knicks fan paid for the copies, collected it, held it, brought it to the arena, and passed it out. Like, hey, we're doing this chant. Make sure we're doing it. Whenever Trey is, that's the first line. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. And it made sure that when Trey Young is at the French line, all the fans chanted, Trey is balding. If that I don't if that's not a heel turn, I don't know what it is. And also, I'm not done yet. When you have the mayor of New York City have a press conference. With the New York Knicks hat on and say, Trey Young, what you're doing is not basketball. And literally use the words of the arch rival, the Brooklyn Nets head coach, Steve Nash. Use Steve Nash's words. Who's supposed to be the rival. That is not basketball. I'm sorry. Trey Young's a heel. And in game two, when, when the game was, was like over, and the, and the Hawks were about to lose. Trey Young was inbounding on the, on the sideline. All the fans behind him, sitting right in front of us, Spike Lee, were just booing him, just booing him, talking trash to him, putting the middle finger up at him. And Trey Young, he was just smiling. He was just smiling. That that's what that's when I know he was a heel. That that's when I know he's he's enjoying the role of being a heel. He's just enjoying it. And after game one, when he hit the floater, he, he told the crowd, it's quiet as fuck in here. It's quiet as fuck out there. Burr, it's quiet as fuck. Oh, my God. I'm, he's a hell. I love it. I love it, Trey Young. Trey Young, you're growing on me. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I have to win a seven, but I'm having fun. And Trey Young... Keep doing what you're doing. I don't care if you win the series. I don't care if you lose the series. Keep being a heel. I'm proud of you. Do what you do. Can, can we just can we just talk about the fact that the Knicks themselves said they want Brooklyn? Because this this is hilarious now. Because with Trey Young, they Lord Jesus, y'all y'all didn't woke up with these, bro. This this is Oklahoma goggles of y'all are y'all are fucked. Like, and Steve Nash, I know that you weren't his coach at the, when he was doing this, but for you to say that's not basketball, and that's literally what James Harden did while he was in Houston, that's just hypocritical. I, I just don't <laughs> – I'm not going to lie, bro. Like, I'm still laughing at John, bro. 
may, may I say something? May I, oh, may, yeah. may I call out the irony of Steve Nash? Because Steve Nash was literally the inventor of trying to go to the free throw line. When he was with the Phoenix Suns, what did Steve Nash do? Try to draw a foul. And what he was good at? Making free throws. He practiced them before he shot them with the if you pay attention throughout Steve Nash's career, Steve Nash, before he shot the free throw, would practice the free throw. Would practice them. And then when he shot them, he made them. So he was literally in consequences to his opponents. Like, if you foul me, I will make sure you will pay for the foul. And made the free throws. And so it's literally ironic that Trey Young, who looked up to Steve Nash, Steve Nash was drawing fouls and making free throws. Trey Young was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. That's my role model. And he did it. And now Steve Nash is against it. That is so ironic to me. Like, wow. So someone who looked up to you is doing what you're actually doing. Now you don't like it? All right. Trey Young's a heel. He's a heel. Don't I still can't believe they actually said they want Brooklyn and they might not even get there. That's that's funny to me. But Damon, talk what what do you think about Trey Young? Like, do you think that his his recent uh activity on the court, do you think that this series may be over with the Knicks? Do do you think that the Atlanta's just gonna go off from here on out? The second that Trey Young walked off the court game two and said, I'll see y'all in Atlanta. This series was deemed over. And that showed in the game, that showed in game three. Um, Atlanta is distributing the ball incredibly. Um, Trey Young is, him and Clint, him and John are running the pick and roll beautifully. Um, I think they had like two, his like, they're passing – it was, like, the percentage of points between those two. They're, like, the highest percentage in uh, made buckets this season. Everybody got – everybody was hitting threes. He was hitting threes. Gallo – Gallinari was hitting threes. John was hitting threes. Bogdanovich was hitting threes. And they, they were just going – I think it was, like, a 22-5 run in the first half. Like, they were just firing on all cylinders – their defense was uh, was locked down this season. This series is over. This series is absolutely over. Right. But Trey, keep what keep doing what you're doing, please. I'm I'm loving this. This man shuts Madison Square Garden, dog. Right? The mecca of basketball. It just shuts them like it was nothing. Cook the Knicks, hit the game winner, shushed them. Game two. Okay, they lost. See you on Atlanta, game three, go off. I can't believe, like, I, I know I said that, I, I know I said Nixon seven, but Trey Young is a heel. He's unbeatable right now. He, this is just Madison Square. Like, I haven't, the energy that they had during game one, one floater, the entire arena went 
silence. I I cannot. That that was that was beautiful, and for Trey Young to just, I'm, I'm expecting great things. Like you know, when they see Brooklyn, is this gonna happen? No, no, it's not. But it's it's, it's great to see, and it, it's it's great to see that Trey Young is can lead a team because everybody was saying, well, Trey can't lead a team, and Trey just shoots the ball, and that's it. And they came out as fifth seed in the East and are most likely going to win this series. So don't, don't slander Trey Young is the moral of the story. But that's going to bring it to the conclusion of our basketball portion of the podcast. And before we move on to the wrestling side, it's time for that new segment. You've watched First Take, but this is Worst Takes. It's a brand new segment. We're going to we all have we've all um, had people submit some of their hot takes basketball and wrestling. So from here on out, like we're gonna post a poll on our um, IG stories, our Twitters, whatever social medias. Please give us some takes, and we're just gonna read them out loud and we're gonna react to them live. We don't. We all have our own that were submitted, but we don't have everybody else's. So it's gonna be completely live reaction and. I'm going to let Damon start off with his list first. Okay, so literally this one just came in right as as we uh, started this segment. But this first take says, Matt Riddle's character is terrible, and they only put him with Randy Orton to help him. I don't even completely disagree with that, to be honest. I, I but see. like I, honestly, like I was gonna say, for being honest, like, what is his character? <laughs> um, he he's basically Rob Van Dam without the kicks. I'm guessing. Basically, I was gonna say he basically just operates like Rob. Van Dam. Yeah, he just smoke weed and ride a scooter. <laughs> yeah, white boy stuff. Yeah, that that's so cool. Uh, I guess that's um, I'm actually thinking about it now. I mean, RK Bro works. I like it. Um, I'm not really a fan of Matthew, but that's just that's just personally me. Cause well, for one, I hate feet, and he feet's always out. That that's just a little petty, but. I mean, I am kind of sick of him, not even gonna lie. Like, if Randy is, because I mean, he did an RKO on Xavier Woods and acted a little crazy. So if that's what we get, that so that's what we get. I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, let's see. I think I'm okay. Oh, I didn't see this. Um, one of my wrestling takes is. Kane's better than the Undertaker. Who? Okay. What? No. Stop. Stop it. Stop All the right, cap. Stop, uh... Stop the actual. No. <sighs> How can you go this far? Um, I think I found this in IG comments. Honestly, I cannot believe someone actually said this. 
admit it. I, I don't think they were trolling either. I'm pretty sure they meant this. I don't. What what is it? Is it cocaine? What what's the drug? Is it is it meth? I don't I don't get it. There's no aggregate that Kane does any better or even close to better than the Undertaker. Because Kane can't even talk. If we're really being, he cannot talk a lick. You know what's crazy? Just to prove that, for the first like what three four years. Kane did not talk. He was angry. Okay, listen. or not Heyman, Paul Bearer. I I seen Undertaker jump off the top rope, jump over the ropes at WrestleMania. Can Kane do that? No. What? What? Is he just gonna choke slam somebody? What? I mean, yeah, he has a better sidewalk slam. I guess. I guess. That actually just. I. That is the most casual take I have ever heard in my entire life. And I know I'm, I sound so monotone when I'm saying this. But this actually just real life uh, upset me for like a few weeks. Like, I'm going to be mad about this for a couple of weeks. Because how can you think to say this? Like, you, you, you actually thought about it. You then typed it. Had plenty of time to look over this. To just to see if you were on drugs. And after all of that, you 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 looked at it and you thought about it, you decided it was okay. And then you hit post. And you just thought this was this might be the worst take I've ever heard in my entire life. And I just don't know what I I can't comment. What are you smoking, or what are you snorting? That I, that's what I want to know. But uh, let's see, uh, Damon, you, you have any of your uh, basketball takes? Yes, I do. I believe. Let's see. The Pistons will be a top five team in the East next year. No. No. Wait. 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 (laughs) Absolutely not. No. I said the Pistons might be an AFC. Y'all talking top five. Whoa. Let's let's relax a little bit. Let's let's relax. Let's just calm down. That um who said this by the way? I I just one of my brother, one of my uh one of my brother said this. The Detroit Pistons will be a top five team in the NBA. Yeah, they need a couple years before that. The East is actually really competitive right now. He didn't say five years, not even 10 years. Heck, not even three. Three, if he said three, I'd be like, well, you're still wrong, but maybe. But he said next year. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but 
a team that has Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Jeremy Grant, and possibly Cade Cunningham, they're, they're going to be an okay team and all, but uh, top five in the league, I don't know about that. <sighs> That might be. I could see them maybe make an appearance in the play-in. Yeah, they'll be a playing team or maybe an AFC, but top five. Not even they, they, they didn't say in the conference. They said in the league. Not the conference. Wait, let me see. The, oh no, they said top five in the Eastern Conference. Okay, but still no. No. <laughs> no. Oh, over my dead body. But John, you got some takes. Mm-hmm. So one NBA take that I had was if the Suns beat the Lakers, they're going to the chip. Most definitely. That's not even a hot take. That's just facts. Like, come on now. Like, I mean, who who who's gonna beat them? Dallas? No. The Flippers not making it past Dallas anyway. And then what, what, Utah or Memphis? Really? That's where we're going? So this, this ice, like, that's not even a hot take. That's just common sense, in my opinion. Who's on the other side of the West? Uh, Am I missing them? It's, um, it's Phoenix and the Lakers, Utah and Memphis. Um, the Clippers and Dallas. And what series am I forgetting? I was gonna say I know I'm forgetting. Exactly. Uh, Clippers, Mavericks, Portland, Denver. Oh, Portland and Denver. Uh, hey, there it wasn't a Portland or Denver. No, no. I was gonna say I think it's it's gonna come down to. Um, the health of Chris Paul yeah, because that shoulder injury is really affecting his play. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, another NBA take. Um, one of my brothers from Morehouse said uh, the Knicks are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're not gonna be that. They may not even be Eastern Conference semifinal. <laughs> They're not beating Hill Trade. Stop. Oh, oh boy, that's uh, no, it's not gonna happen. Look, I, you know, this season isn't a failure for the Knicks because they actually made the playoffs. So you know, they 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 taking a step in the right direction, but Eastern Conference Finals when. Orange Julius is playing like garbage, and Derrick Rose as a six man is carrying. That that's not gonna happen. It, it's not. Um, let's see. Another wrestling take in regards to the Undertaker, saying the Undertaker is overrated. In what regard is he overrated? He's had one of the best characters ever. He's adapted for decades. Now, if we're, you know, the later parts of his career happened, 
And we we don't gloss over that. But he's legitimately one of the greatest workers and characters of all time. No matter what gimmick he was using, he could still cut a very, very great promo. I'm um overrated. I say in his prime, he was he was one of the most athletic big men at the time. Like in like literally you said he's he was adaptable. Like he had the under like the you know, the Undertaker character we all know. But then the attitude era came and like that wasn't gonna be a character that was gonna roll. Then he came out with like the biker taker to really fit the times and still thrived. So it's like I don't there is nothing in his when I think of him that's like overrated. Yeah, I don't I don't get that take at all. But I have one more very, very um, interesting basketball take from my boy Kavon, and he said Derrick Rose got cheated out of the Sixth Man of the Year award. Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, Jordan Carson deserved it, but so did Rose. Um... That's kind of tough because I'm not even going to hold you. I feel like Derrick Rose should have been in the contention last season with the Pistons. But um, I wouldn't say he got cheated, you know. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Jordan Carson and Derrick Rose, how it was with Julius and Jeremy Grant, you know. Um Jordan Carson was a huge contributor to the best team in the league. You know, I I can't go against that. Now, with the six-man argument, I have to to say this. um, There there should not be more than one six-man on the same team getting nominated. Like, I know that Jazz had the most records in the league, but there is no reason why Jordan Carson and Joe Ingles were finalists. It should have just been Jordan Carson because you can't have more than one six man. You can't. That's the seventh man. Exactly. Like the whole Clippers team. Oh my God. That made me so mad. Schroeder deserved it. Man. But. Uh, John, any more takes? Um, I got a wrestling take. Uh, it's a girl from Stoneman. She said AEW is better than WWE. Now, let's be honest here. Is that a hot take? Not even cool. Okay. So my Stoneman sister would. We got to get her on the podcast. No cap. <laughs> Because she knows what she's talking about, bro. Hey. She knows exactly what she's talking about. WWE is not good, bro. It's not. That's not even a hot look. This is just like the... uh, Which one was it? Oh, yeah, the the Suns going to the finals one. If they beat the Lakers, that's common sense. Anybody who's... I mean, SmackDown is the best show 
And although honestly, it's it's starting to slow, it's starting to die off a little bit because some things happened on Friday that I'm 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 not even gonna get into that. I'm I'm no. But it feels like Bruce Pritchard is starting to work Friday. So that's all I'm gonna say. But um yeah, AEW is just overall better. Um matter of fact, I just realized that we didn't do double or nothing predictions. I just realized that and double or nothing is Sunday. So this episode is gonna drop the day after, so it's no point in even doing them. But to my spellman sister, you 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 wanted something. I'm 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 that that just made my that just made my day. But uh Damon, you got any more takes? Yes, I have this wrestling take, and I was like, I have to get this out because every time I see somebody say this, I it just bugs me to death. The take is Dolph Ziggler should be in the WWE Championship picture because he is just too good. Absolutely not. (laughs) I wish y'all could see my face right now. Brett, my dog. Um, No. um, (laughs) 2013, um, gone, brother. Ziggles, Mr. Ziggles, um, Dolph Ziggler, the guy who looks like he gets shot every time he gets, he takes a move. Now, Dolph Ziggler, I love his selling and all. That's he's great at that. But, I would um, say great seller, yeah. but like his character is just—it's not changed. He doesn't for, have one. That's the problem. Right. I was like, he's just kind of—he's been I mean, there for yeah. like however um, long. Do y'all realize, y'all just said this man, this man should be a world champion. But the only things he's done in his career has been in, in meaningless tag teams and put over NXT talent. He honestly, you know, here's a take Dolph Ziggler is the reason that Tyler Breeze was not a success on the main roster because it seemed like they tried to give Tyler Breeze the same kind of role that. Uh, I'm not even gonna hold you. I wouldn't really even. I didn't even know much about Tyler Breeze, to be completely honest with you. But mm-hmm. uh, to say Dolph Ziggler should have been should be a world champion, like if we had said this like five years ago or maybe seven years ago, that that would be okay, you know, because it actually would have meant something. But like. Dolph is not world champion. Like smack like 2016 SmackDown Live era. Yeah, like, when him and Miz had like that one of those best feuds. Exactly. And like, SmackDown was really buzzing. That would have made sense. But like realistically, like you really have to say out loud, could Dolph Ziggler have a good enough story to a point where he could beat Roman Reigns right now? That's the, and other- the answer. Is- <laughs> That's the thing I'm saying. He would have to be Roman. Listen, WWE has pulled stuff out their ass before that does not make any fucking sense. But if somehow Dolph Ziggler found a way to be Roman clean, the company is going bankrupt that day. That day, like at that exact moment, the company is going bankrupt. Oh my god. I can I cannot believe that take. 
But um, that'll that'll do it for the very first part of worst takes. And this was this was interesting. I'm 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 I will I'm glad that this is going to be our segment, and we're going to do this again. But please continue to send your takes into us on Instagram or whatever social medias you have us on, and you'll see you'll see if your take gets selected in the episodes. But let's move to our first wrestling topic. And uh, this, this is the most obvious question with the most obvious answers that anyone could ever come up with. John, I'm going to ask you first. How do we fix WWE? <laughs> How do we fix WWE? Get rid of the main creators. The main writers. Just get rid of them. Like, bring up someone from NXT. Bring up writers from the independent scene or from, like, competitions such as AEW or Ring of Honor or, or Impact Wrestling. Like, bring – get rid of the writers right now because it's awful. Bring back Paul Heyman as the head of the creative team on SmackDown or Raw. Bring Paul Heyman back because when he was running it, Apparently, people like the show. They like to watch it. Now, I don't even watch SmackDown. I don't even watch Raw. And I know SmackDown's the better show right now. And that, in order to make WWE better, we have to give rid a majority of the, the creative writing team. Is, is Dana Warrior still on a creative writing team? I didn't even know she was a part. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Dana Warrior as in like Ultimate Warrior Wife? Yes. It's on the creative team. I believe so. I think she was like hired. She's on the creative years team. Years ago. It all makes sense now. Oh my God. I can't believe I. Wow. So they so they just hiring anybody who got shoot like they might as well hire um shoot I don't even know what I'm thinking of <clears throat> bro okay how to fix WWE the first things first fire Bruce Pritchard don't let him anywhere near any anything like don't let him touch any wrestling of any kind lock him away in a closet Raw is the worst fucking show I've ever watched in my entire life. And I actually like I sometimes I enjoy watching bad movies and bad TV shows. I I I'm not gonna lie, sometimes I do because I like to critique stuff. But this show has not been good for about this was even before COVID, really. Before COVID. So it's been like a two nearly two years since it was actually watchable. I think they need to get rid of scripted promos. That that has to be at the top of the list as well, because, I mean, let's, let's just be real here. Most of the roster can't talk anyway, but then when you have them reading something off a of script, it makes them more ridiculous, like, Rhea Ripley should not be reading the script. Alistair Black should not be reading the script. Miz, well, I don't even think Miz gets scripted, but I mean, he's a good talker. 
Um, if y'all want to give Roman a script, that's fine. Because, you know, actually, y'all really don't even need to give Roman a script. Because just let Paul hit all talk. Stop the scripts. Um, stop ruining the NXT talent. That, that, just seeing, like, some of the direction that some of these guys are going, like, especially how they were doing so well in other companies, like, Bobby Roode should have been world champion in WWE. But he wasn't. You know what the most recent thing he did was? He was a tag team champion with Dolph Ziggler. That should tell you all you need to know. Eric Young got completely wasted. EC3 got completely wasted. Nikki Cross. Um, and the crazy thing about this is that they waste these talents and they release these talents like Peyton Royce and Billy Kay and Mickey James. And you know who's about to make her return? Eva motherfucking Marie. Now, if she can actually wrestle, now I'll, 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 I'll give her that. I'll give her respect, but stop wasting talent. Most importantly, just fire Bruce Pritchard. Like, I actually don't even fire Bruce Pritchard. Like, just, I don't know, man. Just, just get him away from everything. I don't want him to touch anything in regards to wrestling. Like, Vince Russo could do a better job than Bruce Pritchard. And Bruce Pritchard, I mean, Vince Russo killed WCW and TNA. So if that guy can do better than Bruce Pritchard, that says a lot about Bruce Pritchard. Y'all hear me talk about Bruce Pritchard a lot in these episodes, and it's for good reason, because the man is just bad at his job. Like, just let him be brother love or, or something. Please, just, just, get, get, just get him away from the creative process. But, Damon, what, could, what should be done to fix WWE? Yeah, first, like what John said, I think we really need to really rethink the creative process and get some fresh, like younger, even though you have to be like super younger, like our age, but like even younger in comparison to the people who are writing these uh, storylines, just to get a fresh perspective. Um, but also, they get honestly, obviously, it's a different word, but in relation, like we're seeing in the NBA right now, the the tide is changing. It's the it's the time of these young guys. These young guys are taking over the league right now. They this this year needs to be the year of the future. Like they have a lot of guys that are very young or young to WWE that really they should really be trying to turn the tide of getting people into these divisions. Because, like, we talked about last week how they've been hip-hopping the, the, the title from Brandy Orton to Drew McIntyre to Bobby Lashley. When it's like, dang, you, y'all, can't, like, y'all can't throw, like, one younger guy in there? These dudes been here for a hot minute. It's like, so I think getting some, get some fresh faces in there, or even guys that are on the main roster that aren't necessarily young, but, like, change it up. Because it's like it's just getting to a point where it's just repeatable. It's not fun to watch it. 
Speaking of repetitive, another thing that I hate about Raw is that it's been the same exact episode for at least six months. And I don't understand, like, how lazy can you be? Like, it's rematch after rematch after rematch. Like, a matter of fact, you know what? I said I wasn't going to talk about SmackDown, but I did. So, I, I, I didn't talk about Backlash. We didn't talk about Backlash in that episode, but here's what happened. It was Ray and Dominic versus Ruben Ziggler. And I guess during the pre-show, Ruben Ziggler attacked Dominic and I guess broke his ribs so he wasn't supposed to be able to come out so ray comes out and it's a two-in-one handicap match and then in the middle like right near the end dominic comes out and it's a frog splash and just no sells it like he didn't just get his ribs broken and then friday last and at the time of recording last night we get this rematch rude and ziggler attack red mysterio and they say, you know what, Dominic's gonna go it all alone. And what happened near the end? Rey Mysterio walks out, and Dominic rolls up. One of them and wins. Like everything is just repetitive nowadays. And the last thing I want to talk about, in regards to how to fix this, is commentary. WWE commentary has literally never been good. Like ever, because when you had somebody like Jay, Jim Ross, you had the Jerry Loggers of the world who ruined everything by being a pervert and a racist. You know, on SmackDown, you know, you had Michael Cole, you had JB Phil, and you had Taz. Actually, that team was elite. That that's that commentary team was elite. <laughs> but you have Samoa Joe who was legit the best commentator in the company, and you release him, and you bring in a dude who don't even know anything about wrestling whatsoever. And then you- I love Pat McAfee so much. Yeah, yeah, Pat Pat McAfee, boy, he he is killing it. But then you you bring in this guy, he don't know anything about wrestling. Seven weeks later, he's going. And then you bring in a dude from MMA who said in 2019 that he has not watched wrestling since he was a child. And then they just like, oh, what's Tom Phillips? Like, what are we doing? Do, do we do we just not? And here's the thing. The thing that pisses me off the, about commentary the most is that it sounds exactly how it does on the video games. Because the video games is just repetitive, 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 repetitive. And you get the same thing on the shows. And that that I just don't, I can't sit through that. But there's a lot of things that need to happen to fix this company that I don't think will actually happen because Vince McMahon is an old bastard idiot who has no idea what the fans want or just doesn't care. So I'm going to stop talking about this company. (laughs) So our last wrestling topic, because the original other topic we're going to do was the potential partnership between WWE and New Japan, but Tony Khan did a little shoot interview, work interview yesterday, and basically said that none of that was true. So, Damon, who is the most overrated wrestler in the world today? Johnny Gargano. Okay, Um, so, and let me just get started. (laughs) 
Um, so I was really for him when he first he had you know his first run with DIY tag team division, and then he finally, finally, finally got his moment. Finally, won the NXT championship. Had that brutal war with Tommaso Ciampa, and then it was like okay. He's the hardest. He's the heart of NXT. Okay, still here. All, all right. Okay, you, you know you don't you don't want to go up, man. <laughs> and I get it. Like the I was gonna say, I get it. The main roster, it's not it's not good, but it's like I feel you know NXT is at a point where it's like you're it's. It's a it's becoming its own brand, but it's still development. And I feel like he's a full blown character at this point. And I think he's just overstayed his welcome there. And I also don't really like his character because he's he's another one of those people that I don't think really has a character. He's just like, I work really hard and I wrestle. And, I, and he's a pretty pretty good wrestler. Like I'm not taking anything away from his skill because he put on some really good matches. But like, I'm just like, bro, I don't, and I don't even really know what to do with them because it's like, you move him to the main roster, I'll just put him in the mid card, probably because he's too small to be, in their eyes, a legitimate champion. His lack of a character, he would fold in the main roster. Dang, like, okay, I'm going to tell y'all my issue with Johnny Gargano, and this is going to sound so petty when I say this. But, you know, I used to be a huge Johnny Gargano fan, you know. He had great music at the time, and then they changed it to something mid because the other music company left. But we're not talking about the heel, all right? We're talking about face Johnny Gargano right now. And I forgot what match it was. But he was outside and he had somebody leaning on a barricade at full sail. And he does a regular little knife edge chop, or so it seems. But something fell off to me. So yet I actually went back and rewinded it. Yes, I just said I rewinded something on a wrestling show. Okay. This man did a thigh slap on a chop. Like. How can you do a thigh slap on something as simple as a knife edge chop? Like, it's literally just, it's, I'm not going to do the sound of how the chop is, but, like, how do you do a thigh slap on that? So I've, I've hated the man ever since. But he's not my most overrated. I'm going to save mine for last. Y'all, y'all probably already know who mine is, but, John, who is your most overrated wrestler? All right, um, John was having a little bit of technical difficulties, but he said that he couldn't really – pick he said he would go with Roman but his heel turn just kind of changed everything so he doesn't really have a pick my pick um the wrestling world is really the the, the internet wrestling community is really going to hate me during this podcast because I, I just hate this man Kenny Omega is the most overrated wrestler of all time everybody's saying like oh well he has like five and six star seven star matches so, so, first of all, the only reason he gets those is because Dave Meltzer just loves sucking his dick for God knows why. 
The man cannot talk. Let's well, not, not do that. Hey, no, nah, bro. Like Mel Melser is nah. Nah, I'm 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 with I'm with it today. Kenny Omega. I'm not saying that he's a bad wrestler, but everybody says he's the greatest wrestler in the world because Dave Meltzer gives him five-star match ratings. He's had some great five-star matches. You know him versus Okada? That was great. I forgot who it was. I think it wasn't, it wasn't Orange Cassidy, but it was somebody that he got a five-star match with that shouldn't have been a five-star match. And, okay. And th this is going to sound a little petty when I say this. Because I know wrestling is quote-unquote fake and all. But Kenny Omega has the fakest finisher in wrestling. Like, setting up the one wing angel, it don't matter if you're knocked out or not. You can get out of that. Unconscious. Unconscious, you could escape that. Because first of all, he got to go in between your legs to get you up there. Then he got to fumble to bring you down and then do, do no. And just... That man cannot talk to save his life. And, like, I know Roman is a bad talker, but Kenny's on a different level. Like, I don't know if y'all saw this or not, but um, and he, Kenny is real, like, cringe when he talks to. Like, I don't – it was the, the the dynamite after Revolution, after the, the whole um, exploding ring thing that happened. He was making fun of the situation. And they started a little countdown timer. Don Callis in the ring, the Good Brothers in the ring. Kenny gets down. And he says out loud, oh, my God, Don, it's about to go off 69. And I'm sitting here just looking, like, did I actually just hear what I just heard? Like, I... I didn't I, I I just cannot stand Kenny Omega I mean he, he just gives off this vibe that like he for him to be as good as he is he's not the best so to the people that think he's the greatest wrestler ever stop because his name is not AJ Styles his finisher is stupid he can't talk he had two of his best friends are just about just as bad as him. And he has a lot of the same matches with the same exact setup to the move, with the same exact moves in the same exact order. He's over, he's, he's the most overrated, in my opinion. But for those of you who like Kenny Omega, we can agree to disagree. I just don't like the man. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna end on that. But that's gonna do it for the wrestling side. Now our WNBA portion is gonna be a little different because we we haven't really had the opportunity to really touch on the issues that are going on in the WNBA. Like a lot of people saying, oh well the WNBA isn't good because they're women and women are actually really 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 good at basketball I don't know if, I don't know where this 
ideal came from, but women are really good at basketball. And, you know, I'm not going to bash people for not watching the NBA, not watching the WNBA, but you're missing out on really good basketball. Like these girls are balling out. And on that note, I want to talk about the Kurt Miller and Liz Cambage incident. Um, so it was a game between the Aces and the, and the Sun. And Kurt Miller, like, I don't remember what they were going for, what the call was about, but essentially, okay, Liz Cambage, I mean, weight really doesn't matter, but I think she's about like maybe 217-ish or something like that. Um, I don't remember what she said specifically in the video about her weight, but Kurt Miller was arguing a call and said, she's 300 pounds. So obviously Liz Cambage, she came out and she spoke out about it. And Kurt Miller got fined and was suspended for one game. Um, th- this is just a prime example of the issues that women athletes have to go through on a regular basis. And this is, this is not okay at all. Um, for, for you to actually sit there like and say this about a woman who is literally just doing her job as a basketball player like she she ain't said nothing to you she ain't done you wrong she's just playing the game of basketball and you just come out and say this I just feel like he he should have been fired as a coach because if you can say that to an opposing player, what are you saying to your own players? Like, I, I, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that he only got suspended for one game. Like, I, I think he should have been fired. But, uh, Damon, what do you think about this incident? It seems like even the, the theme of today is, like, protecting our players, and that's men or women. And in this case, it was even from a staff member. And I think what's so troubling about this one in particular is the fact that if it's like a, you know, a player or some trash talking, like obviously you can trash talk back or, you know, get scrappy or whatever, but it's like a coach. If she touches a coach or if she gets in the coach's face, that's a fine, and she's going to get suspended for way longer. So it's like you are vulnerable to just take, clearly take verbal abuse from people that feel like they have power over you. And it's just really insensitive. And especially as he's a coach in the WNBA, so you would think, you would think that you would be more cognizant of that. But I just don't understand how you can be so incredibly insensitive to say something like that. Yeah, I just I just don't see how you can be misogynistic as a WNBA coach. Like, why would you even go into a field like that where you're coaching women's athletes who already have to struggle because they don't get really much TV time because they're women and the NBA makes so much more money. 
and this is your thought process. Like how 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 did you get a job, and this is your thought process about the group of people that you work for? I don't. I just don't understand that. But uh, John, what did you, what were your thoughts about the situation? Um. Uh, Jarrell, on your point about like if you saying it to opposing players, uh, what to his actual players? And I thought that was a good point that what you said, uh, because if someone, for example, let's just say if Bill Lambeer said John Quo Jones is seven feet tall and four hundred pounds. I believe Kurt Miller would be the first one defending John Quote Jones. So you did make a good point about that. And I, I, it was just very disrespectful for Kurt Miller to say. And I'm glad Lewis Cambage spoke about it, like spoke up about it, say like, hey, this is wrong. I weigh 235 actually. And that's just inappropriate for you to say. So I... I uh, give uh, credit for Liz Cambage for speaking out and saying, hey, this is wrong. And this is what he actually said. And I'm glad Kurt Miller took accountability for it and didn't deny it. He said, I said what I said, and it was wrong. And I deserve any punishment. And I believe the punishment should be a little more than just one game. I mean, yeah, he got fined $10,000, but I think it should have been at least two, three games yeah because i mean like i said it a little earlier but personally like if those thoughts cross your mind for you to even say out loud you shouldn't be coaching women's basketball but that that's just me um moving on to our next WNBA topic though um this is actually an all-male situation which is kind of strange but um James Wade, he's the coach of the Chicago Sky, and he filed a complaint to the WNBA because they were playing the Atlanta Dream Tuesday night, and one of the refs called him boy. Um, what even drives people to think like this? Like, here's the thing, because... James Wade is better than me because I don't play that. Like, that's more than, like, it's, it, it's more than just, oh, well, he's an adult. You call him boy. Like, he's a black man, and you call him boy. So that's two, already two negative connotations to it. It's, it's blatant racism. And if this referee... um. I don't know if the uh, the referee's been outed it publicly. Um, something needs to be done about that because that, that's just unacceptable as well. Like racism and misogyny should not exist in sports. Discrimination of any kind just does not belong in sports, male or female. It just doesn't belong, and it really it doesn't belong in the real the world anyway. But think about it. These people are getting paid 
to be discriminated against. And that's not cool uh, in, on any level. So um, I hope that the WNBA does take action against this. Um, like, this, this is kind of like, I'm trying to think, like, you really could compare this to the Myers Leonard situation. You, you really could. And this, this stuff is like, stuff like this happens so often that people just, they just toss it to the side and try to sweep it under the rug, but you can't do that. Like some, something needs to be done. So I really hope the WNBA takes action against this because it's uncalled for. Like what, what, did, what did James Wade do to even deserve something like that? The answer is he didn't do anything. But um, John, what are your what are your thoughts on this situation? Uh, yeah. I mean, the ref told one of the players, "Hey, go talk to your boy." So that's just go talk to your boy. I'm like. Why couldn't the rest just say, go talk to your coach? Something so simple could have been said, but I, I just don't understand why the word boy had to be said. We know it's a derogatory term against black men. If someone who, who wasn't black called me a boy, I would take offense to it because I'm not a boy. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown man. And I should not be referred as a boy, and and that's just a that's just a no too, and also also James Wade, if people don't know, he's five foot ten, so he's not like a very tall guy. So I believe that him calling up the referee saying "Go talk to your boy," it's just I think that's like heightism. I believe that's heightism. It's just making fun of his height. And I, that's just also like adds to the disrespect, the disrespect that was perceived in that incident. So it's it's just really like heartbreaking just to hear that the referees who's supposed to be unbiased and racist and just discriminatory against height. That's just really disrespectful. Uh, Damon, what did you think? Yeah, so this actually must – I must have missed this one because I didn't – I wasn't fully aware of what happened. But from – based off of what I've heard just now, that's incredibly not right. And for listeners who may not necessarily understand, like, the the background of – why boy is a derogatory term it's not like we're just you know we're not we're not fragile in our masculinity it's nothing like that but like the term boy was used in like jonathan said in a very derogatory fashion in the times of slavery towards um black men so for someone in this age to be referred to like the 
it's just unacceptable. Exactly. Um, it it just sucks because this has just been happening for years and years and years, and it's starting to get like not necessarily feeling hopeless, but like what can we do? at this point, because it's like, it's just going to keep happening no matter what we try. And I'm sick of feeling that way. But um, now we, we're going to try to move to a, a more uh, positive note um, for our last couple of topics. Um, John had to leave. Um, he's going to be working his Wizards game, so I'm happy for him. And that should be exciting. But our last two WNBA topics, the first are two early rookie of the year predictions and mine is Sabrina Ionescu or Ari McDonald. You know, Ari McDonald, she has been very, very promising. Like she hasn't, she hasn't started yet for Atlanta, but I think around maybe the midpoint, she will get that starting spot and she's going to go off. And then I talked about Sabrina last week. She's different. And, you know, this is kind of her, redemption season because she only played three games last season so between those two for me but uh Daniel who are your picks um so my both of mine come from the Liberty obviously Sabrina Nescu is definitely a early favorite she's like like you said and like we've talked about on the podcast before she's playing out of her mind um but my other pick is I'm trying to make sure I don't um, mispronounce her name, but Michaela Onyenwere. I apologize if I butchered the name, but right now she's averaging about nine points, three rebounds, shooting 45% from three, about 43 from just in general. She's been a very, you know, Sabrina has been such a, you know, the big name and lights that she's kind of flying under the radar is being a huge, huge um, addition to the team. Like she's playing about 20 minutes a game. So she's been a quiet contributor in their early success. So I think she's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Um, that most definitely. Um, we both have Sabrina in there so I think that that may be the choice now I do have my Ari McDonald bias I do so of course I'm gonna have her up there and you know again she's been playing great so far with the minutes that she's gotten so just wait until like she actually gets to into the starting lineup I'm telling you she's gonna go crazy but um our last topic of the day the Connecticut Sun, once again. And despite their uh, coaching concerns, they're 6-1. and one. Again, I, I said this in the very first episode. I didn't know anything about the Connecticut Sun, like, at all. I didn't know who was on the roster or anything. It is embarrassing that I didn't because these girls have been, well, not girls, these women have been playing their hearts out 
and they've been winning. Like John Quill Jones, she's averaging 20. Dewana Bonner, 18. Brianna Jones, 13. And they're the best team in the WNBA. So it's 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 humbling, but also embarrassing. Like they've only lost one game, just only one. Now Seattle, they're one game behind with the record of five and one. They're tied with the Liberty with the five and one record. But up until their second last game, like they were undefeated. So I'm shocked and I feel bad. But Damon, you you know more about the team. So you can go on to that like. What it, what's been most impressive about Connecticut thus far to you? Yeah, I, and this sucks because it's like I I wish I would have said it out loud. I wish I would have because when opening week started, I remember watching their very first game against the tree. And what I've noticed across this season so far is that they're they're strong, they're physical, they're big, they they get on the boards. And I remember after watching the, as I'm watching this first game, I'm like, wow, this team is really impressive. I was like, honestly, I was like, in my head, I'm like, I think this is going to be my team. I think this is going to be my team. This is my first year watching. I'm really getting behind this team because I was like, I'm interested to see how they turn out. And I never really said it out loud. And here we are, six and one. If now, if I'm like, oh yeah, that's my team, you know, I love Connecticut. It's like, man, if you don't get your bandwagon behind that. <laughs> but, but no, on another note, they've been, like I said, they've been getting on the boards. They're moving the ball incredibly. They're super physical, and I, they're definitely on a mission to get back to get back to the finals or get to the finals. Yeah, because, like, I'm looking at the stats and, you know, everybody who has played minutes is averaging at least two rebounds. Everybody who has played is averaging at least one assist or close to it. They're playing great defense, they're rebounding the ball, they're shooting efficiently. And it sucks because I'm – I haven't caught one Connecticut game yet. Like I've watched every other team's games besides Connecticut. And I feel so bad just because like I knew I was a casual coming in, but like this real life did just expose me as a casual. So like now that I'm getting back, like officially getting into the games, I definitely have to catch a Connecticut game, at least one before the end of this month well actually wait a minute because i'm wondering like when is their next game their next game is on sunday sunday oh night. okay so i will yeah. so they i will play, catch one before yeah they play uh seven o'clock on sunday oh they play minnesota mm-hmm. oh that should be fun <laughs> man but again to the connecticut sun and your fan base i apologize i'm getting better with time, it'll come, but I'm getting better. But with that being said, that will conclude this episode of Hooplex. Once again, please send in your hot takes. We will be looking through the – well, we won't be looking through the list, and we're not going to do all of them. Per se- like, we're not going to do every single take that we get, 
but just keep sending them in and when we get to the next episode you'll see if yours get selected and with that being said we will see you guys next week <laughs>